in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I am Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the Kentucky Fried Glenn Stansberry. <laughs> it's like a big bucket of Glenn Stansberry. Wow, I'm feeling very healthy, very, uh, mm-hmm. very fit right now. Thank you, Brian. Mm-hmm. Do you care to elaborate why you call me uh, Kentucky Fried? Well, you just got back from Louisville, Kentucky. I did. The uh, mecca of fried chicken and bourbon. And well, I'm bourbon. I guess yeah. the state of Kentucky is kind yeah, of can, yeah, it's all over there. Yeah, Louisville's very yeah fried chicken centric. It's a fried chicken kind of town. Oddly enough, I was there uh, five days and we did not have chicken once. Well, that's just stupid. I know. I didn't even think about it until you brought that up. <sighs> we wanted to go to the uh, Mrs. Colonel Sanders place, but I think it's it's kind of outside of Louisville, right? Like maybe an hour away or forty five minutes, something like that. <laughs> Was like an hour too far to drive <laughs> for Mrs. Colonel Sanders. I mean, I, hey, where are your priorities? Is what I want. I, I don't know. I didn't even. Gosh, I didn't even think about it, Brian. Wow. Well, that's disappointing. It is. I was in Louisville for like five minutes, and I was like, "Okay, where's the <laughs> where's, where's the KFC? The yeah, exactly. <laughs> where's Colonel Sanders at? Yeah. <laughs> I have a picture on my phone of me with Colonel Sanders. Mm, wow, really? Yeah, he's he's still surprisingly spry for uh, being uh, being passed away for so long. That guy will. It's all the fried chicken. Well, yeah, keeps everything nice and oiled in yeah. your face. You know what I mean? Keeps the pipes clean. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> Speaking of pe- keeping the pipes clean, uh, <laughs> me and Glenn are co-founders of a site called Gentleman.com. Gentleman.com uh, will 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 clean you out. Wow. It'll uh, it's it's uh, it'll do lots of things. Keep your face nice and oily. Yep. You know, and uh, basically like the fountain of youth. Yes. In many ways. Uh, As you in can, you you'll be juvenile. Yes. You or juvenile. Um, you will feel like a child. Yes. Uh, you act like a child. You act like a child. You will laugh. You'll cry. You'll hug somebody after you go to gentleman dot com. <laughs> uh, guaranteed. That's it. we money back guarantee. That you will laugh, yes. you'll cry, uh, you'll laugh some more, and then you'll hug somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, check out gentleman.com. Uh, and if you do that, and, you, and you, you're all hugged out after going to gentleman.com, you can go over to podcast.gentleman.com where you can find some previous episodes that we've done. You can check out some of the links we're going to talk about tonight. You can also check out some previous beer, this, beers that we've rated mm-hmm. uh, during the Gentleman Happy Hour. 90 beers, to be exact. Well... Closer to 85, probably. Probably closer to 85, and then a few mixed drinks. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was a short-lived experiment. Yes. Because we both fell asleep during an episode. (laughs) So, uh, it was just two hours. That was a low point. That was a low watermark. (laughs) It was just two hours of snoring, basically. Uh, But anyway, uh, so head on over to podcast.gentleman.com. I promise it won't put you to sleep. Well, I can't say that. I don't want to put a money-back guarantee on that, because then I will get seriously in some financial trouble. But if you do fall asleep, it will be a restful and peaceful sleep. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you sleep well. Yeah. Um, that could be a new avenue for our podcast. It just put the podcast on, let us put you to sleep. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. 
<laughs> You're getting very sleepy right now. <laughs> um, but anyway, and uh, one other thing you can do if you want to interactively participate in the podcast, this is like mm. uh, the year 2000 kind of high tech thing where you can actually interactively <laughs> participate in the gentleman podcast. This is like dot com bubble. Yeah. St- type this, stuff. It's like the year 1999 <laughs> and you can it's the future and you can actually participate in the gentleman podcast mm-hmm. and we have a really streamlined system set up for you to do this all you have to do is take out a pad of paper and a pencil and write some stuff down maybe it's a question maybe it's a comment maybe it's a criticism maybe it's glowing uh praise yes the gentleman podcast either way uh you write that all down you put it in an envelope Put a stamp on it, mail it over to the gentleman mailbag at P.O. Box 442305, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044. We will get your letter, uh, and interactively, we will talk mm-hmm. about it on the gentleman mm-hmm. podcast. And uh, we'll put it up on the Hall slash Wall of Fame, which we know and love as the Hall of Fame. And we will, and, and, and for us to interact back with you, mm. we will send you a little something back mm-hmm. for, uh, for being interactive with the gentleman podcast. A token. A token of our appreciation. That's right. Um, so anyway, send us a little, send us a letter over to PO Box four four two three zero five Lawrence Kansas six six zero four four. If you can't do that, you can send us a mail at howdy at gentleman dot com, or you can at reply us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, you know all that stuff. Pinterest, you can uh, you can pin something to us on Pinterest. Pin the tail on the gentleman uh, <laughs> co founders. I think that's what that's called. Yes, uh, over at Pinterest. So anyway. Uh, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and now, Glenn, let's get into the meat of the episode, which is the uh, drink of the week this week. Okay, so the drink of the week is a little special in that neither Brian nor myself picked it out. Nor myself, nor I. Well, that, that is a little different. Um, Usually we pick them out. But. We do. So I was in Louisville visiting a good friend of mine, Britt. And Britt, that little devil, managed to sneak a couple six-packs of uh, local local brews into our car before my wife and I packed up the kids and left mm. uh, as, a, as a, a little a little uh, token of remembrance of our time in Louisville mm-hmm. and actually it's he, he'd been trying to get us to try this beer um, this uh, this brewery's beers while we were down there just never worked out um, we keep forgetting to, to, to buy it but, mm. and also we had um, bourbon right um, so but anyway so uh, the, the brewery in question is the West 6th Brewing uh, and it is in Lexington. It's based out of Lexington, Kentucky. Okay. So just a stone's throw from Louisville. And this, the one that we're going to be uh, reviewing is the Pay It Forward Cocoa Porter. Okay. Uh, now, it's Cocoa Porter. Typically, we kind of reserve those for the wintertime uh, month. That's true. But, but, given the circumstances, we got to do this, Brian. We got to. My, uh, my love for beer knows no bounds. That's right. We... <laughs> We'll take one for the team. Uh, yeah. No, this is this comes highly highly touted. So if it if you get this beer, if we review it and you and you get this beer and try it yourself, and you don't like it, you can't blame us for once. Right. Because um, this we didn't is choose all it. on somebody else's shoulders. Exactly. It's all on my friend Britt's shoulders. Somebody else and the MTS computer. That's right. It has nothing to do with us. Yes. So I'm gonna pour these. Maybe Brian will because they're, they're, we got them in cans and you, you want to. You know, pour them into glass and let the yeah the the aromas and everything kind of okay. So get out of the, the can here. Glenn sent me a link to the West Sixth Brewing Company's website, and uh, let me say something about this website. Uh, <laughs> I hope their beer is better than their website because <laughs> this is this is the worst website 
I've been to since 1999. Wow. You talking GeoCities? Uh, this is like... MySpaces? This is, yeah. Plurk? Uh, this... I don't even know what to say about this website. It's odd. It's a weird website. Uh, you know, I'm not saying you have to have a great website to have your own brewery, but... We, there's a lot of good websites out there, surprisingly. Breweries sit, tend to do sometimes a pretty cool job. Yeah. Uh, but let me let me say something nice about this brewery, too, is that they've got a nice about us where they talk about themselves. And again, this is one of those breweries that does not say we created beer. Yeah. Uh, you, sometimes you get these websites and, you, and these, these brewing companies seem to want to all have these outlandish tall tales of all the stuff that they created or did first at right. that brewery. And it's all fake. Nobody did any of this stuff first. It was all done in the 17th century. Right. Uh, so, whoa, whoa, whoa. Actually, the Egyptians, my friend. Yeah, well, yeah. I'd say You're saying modern beer. Or modern beer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying to make a joke here. Oh, right? oh, oh, oh. You know oh, what I mean? Sorry. I'm okay. Let's... Gotta turn on my... The facts don't matter when you're trying to make a joke. Okay? <laughs> anyway, the point is, these guys don't boast about themselves, <laughs> but what they do say is that they will always strive to protect their environment, even if it costs them more to do so. And last but not least... We all share a desire to create the best beer possible and to be an integral part of building a great beer culture for our great town of Lexington. Right. So that's their goal. And I applaud them for their humility on their website. Yeah. I don't applaud them for their website. They really humbled themselves They with the design. It's humble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I, I'm not holding it against them. You know what? If their website was this terrible and they said that they created hops, I'd be pretty pissed. Right. But they don't do that. So fair enough. The other cool thing that this brewery is doing, and with this beer in particular, is that it's part of the Pay It Forward series. This is a Pay It Forward beer. Yep. And what they're doing is they're taking 50 cents from every sixer sold, and they're donating it to a local kind of charity mm-hmm. across Kentucky. And they have all these different charities, and they're like, they're not like, you know, you know, save bologna sandwiches, you know, from extinction or something like right. that. It's an actual, like, you know, social cause that's actually, you know, What's your point? I'm butchering this. Very, very, uh, very serious stuff like battered women and uh, orphans and things like that. So that makes me feel a lot better as I'm, as I'm throwing one back. Well, let's get 10 more six packs then. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I mean, one of the things they say about this one, the Pay It Forward Coca Pour, is that it's dark and rich with overtones and coffee and dark chocolate. It's chewy. Mm. I've never heard anybody describe their beer as chewy mm. uh, and yet smooth at the same time. Mm. So cheers. Cheers. Coco Porter. Hmm. You know, I'd have to agree with their assessment that it is chewy. It is chewy, and uh, it, it's it's somehow smooth at the same time. I actually really like this. I like I, it too. It's it's, a good it's like usually I get a little worried when people have a cocoa when they add chocolate to things, but <laughs> it's got a little bit of an after aftertaste to it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is good though. I like it. Yeah. Mm. Well, overall, I'd say it's very strong. You're right. It, it is the, the cocoa is really, really there. It's like cocoa puffs without the puffs. It is. Yeah. So okay. Well, um, okay, Glenn. Well, let's uh, so we let's run through these stats here real quick okay. just to review. Uh, let's let us know what's going on. What we're dealing with here. The alcohol by volume seven percent. So it's a little higher than normal. Yeah. Usually around five is what mm-hmm. we're dealing with. Price was ten dollars. Ten dollars. Nine ninety nine. Nine ninety nine. But my but we're talking about Louisville 
pr- prices, which right. is different. So we have to adjust for the gross income in both areas. Mm-hmm. Cost of living. Cost of living uh, differences between Lawrence, Kansas and Louisville. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's somewhere between eight fifty and nine ninety nine. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, eight fifty and nine dollars. Fortunately, the the MTS computer will adjust for cost yeah. of living between the two so, studies. Once I input where it's from, so yeah, yeah. So it's about it. It's a little bit higher than average, but not much. Okay. Uh, Offset by the percentage in alcohol, and uh, it's got Cascade and roasted cacao nibs, <laughs> which is, I like. Is that, that's a capital of Russia, right? Cacao nibs, Krakow? Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think those are Russian cacao nibs. <laughs> Whoa! So uh, very exotic. Rings mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um Okay, Glenn. Well, uh, let this me... isn't sweet. This isn't a sweet beer. It's not sweet. It's 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 nice and smooth. It is smooth. It, yeah, it's it's a it's a good beer. It's, okay, Glenn. Yeah. Well, I like it. Uh, if you had to give a rating to the uh, Pay It Forward Cocoa Porter, mm. what would you what would you personally, mm. in an unbiased way, give to this this beer? What would you What would you say it would? I think I would give this an eighty-one. 81. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I like that they've managed to somehow make a pretty high alcohol content beer that's smooth and got, you know, cocoa in it without being, like, disgusting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I mean, Boulevard, a local brewery that we have just down the road, makes amazing beer. Mm-hmm. And they have a chocolate ale that is just, I think, is just disgusting. Sometimes when you swing for the fences, yeah, you fail. You're, you're uh-huh. not, not going to get it every time. No. So, uh, but yeah. but the thing is that that chocolate ale that Boulevard makes people go nuts for. Yeah, like they just, it's the best thing in the world, and I and I tried it and I about you know puked. Well, so I'm not doing that right now. No, hopefully not. So I left my buckets in uh, the closet. <laughs> so um, if okay, Glenn, well if I if I was going to put my own personal rating, which doesn't really matter, mm, um, right? It would be a seven point eight. Seven point eight. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I, I I think it's pretty good. Uh, we have yet to have a, a really good, you know, chocolate portery kind of thing, but mm-hmm. uh, maybe someday, maybe someday we'll get. I like this a lot, I, and I'm not trying to, yeah, throw it under the bus, but you know, I, I still like there's there's room for improvement there. So yeah, and that's fine. I mean, and maybe we should call up the Pay It Forward Brewing Company and tell them, you know, it, it's getting there. Keep working. Look, guys, you probably already heard the the podcast, but. Right. In case you haven't, just want to follow up. Here's some constructive criticism. Uh, we mailed it to you from the printout from the MTS computer. We're not small A's, but our computer is. <laughs> yeah, but our computer. <laughs> um, anyway, speaking of the MTS computer, Glenn, well, it's time to uh, let me run through these stats. Type them into the MTS computer, the mustache with scale computer. It will output, uh, it'll, you know, throw some algorithms at this stuff, adjust yeah. for cost of living. Yeah. And then it will uh, give us the empirical scientific rating for the pay it forward Cocoa Porter. By the West Sixth Brewing Company in okay. Lexington, Kentucky. Okay. Uh, so we said the price was nine ninety nine. Yep. But that it was in Louisville, and so uh, I will make sure that the okay. So let me type. Uh, so it's in Louisville, uh, and then we said uh, alcohol by volume is seven percent. Yes. Uh, the hops are Cascade and roasted cacao nibs. Yes. Uh, the yeast is a house ale. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. What are we missing? Are we missing some aspect of the the IBUs? We don't know what the IBUs on this are. I would say it's probably in the 30s. <sighs> 35. 35. You think it's even that high? It's got a little bit of something to it. But, uh, I, you know, it's hard to say. I knew we were missing something. And the IBUs are a pretty critical point on the for the MTS computer. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we want to be scientific about this, we'd need to pinpoint this down. Mm. Okay. Well, uh... 
we did some searching on the dark web, and the IBU units uh, is unclear. That's unclear. So, based on our taste buds, we have determined that the IBUs are probably around twenty five. Yeah, twenty five. And you know, our you know margin of error, our standard standard error is about you know two percentage points either way. Yes. But we're 99, 99.7% confidence based on our taste buds that it's uh, it's right in that range. Highly trained. Highly trained taste buds. Taste buds. Uh, so anyway, well, that'll finish up the stats we need to send over to the MTS computer. Yes. Uh, and now we just have to wait for the MTS computer to give us our reading of uh, the Pay It Forward Coco Forward. Okay. Printing out. Got it. Got the printout coming off. Out of the press. Now we have to search through. Look, the problem with all this stuff is that there's no certain page that the, this, the final score is on. There's so many yeah. charts and graphs and the Louisville thing. Just, you know, yeah, whatever. that's so an extra section. We said before it's usually on page 87. Well, right. it might be on 97 or 99. Let me, I just have to, have to flip through here to find the. Uh, page seven. Still not okay. Getting close. Let's need some more color okay. printer. Okay, I found it. Okay, so the uh, Coco Porter, the MTS computer, officially says seventy nine point five. Whoa! So nice. seventy nine point five, almost to that eighty mark. Not quite, and we're not rounding up because it's a scientifically empirical. <laughs> Factual score seventy nine point five for the Coco Porter from Pay It Forward Brewing Company. Now we know. That's right, Brian. If I said, if if I looked at the temperature and it said it was eighty five degrees outside, would I tell you it was ninety degrees? Because no. I'm rounding up. No, no, we don't do that. Yep. We don't do that either. Exactly. Uh, so Glenn brought up the point that we should do the check with the beer snobs. Yep. Just to make sure that uh, we're in completely different realms because we don't want to end up being like beersnob.com. In case you don't know, beardsnob.com is this big site where they rate all these beers, and it's all snobby and beery and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So anyway, Beer Snobs came in at, uh, what was the score that they came in at? 86. Well, of course they did. Yep. This sounds like something that Beer Snobs would enjoy. Uh, one reviewer one reviewer put it pretty well when it said, a, a great beer? No. A very good beer? Yes. Would buy again. Okay. That's fair. These guys go into a lot of detail. They talk about the color. Oh. Lots of lacing. I don't even know what lacing is. I don't know, Glenn, and we're never going to talk about it because Ever. we're not beer snobs. Nope, we're not. You're right. I'm, I'm getting sucked in. Yeah. This is what they want. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Glenn, we're we'll not going to let them uh, in. Move on and talk about some interesting posts at gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so. All right, well, first up, a lot of great stuff. A lot of great stuff being posted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was afraid that the stuff wouldn't get posted while I was away. Yeah. And. It turns out while the mice is while the mice away, the cat will play. While the cats cats away, the mouse. Will yes, play? yes. Uh, one of the cats was away, but the mice still played, and they played well <laughs> to the tune of posting some amazing things on the site. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, batting leadoff this week is uh, our good buddy Razorback, who needs no introduction if you've heard the podcast at least once before. Right. Um, and he has a uh, an article. Titled, British Special Forces Find Secret Weapon to Defeat ISIS. Bollywood Music. Now, ISIS is a bad, bad organization. Well. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Let's, let me rephrase that. 
They're a truly terrible organization. Jury's still out. <laughs> Brian, are you thinking about joining? <laughs> uh, I'm just joking. ISIS is terrible. Right. We can, we can all agree that they're a bunch of turds. Yeah. Um, and so special forces in uh, the British special forces trying to come up with a way to, to, be, to beat the bad guys, you know? Let's use all the tools of our, you know, right. at our disposal to get these guys. Right. And they had an idea after one Pakistani-born intelligence officer said that the Bollywood tunes would just really cheese off the ISIS people. And so <laughs> instead of just kind of taking that as a one-off, you know, like, huh, comment, you know, mm-hmm. they, they went and ran with it. And they said, yeah. you know what? This is what we're going to do, guys. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to the border, mm-hmm. get our tanks, we're going to put some speakers on it, and start blasting Bollywood. Yeah. And I should, I should add <laughs> that this... This uh, this story has been reported on India Today, mm-hmm. uh, which is an Indian website, which uh, probably, in, many of their readers probably do enjoy mm-hmm. uh, Bollywood music, but not ISIS, because ISIS, they find anything frivolous, uh, especially with related to like culture, uh, to be kind of a, a massive insult when, mm-hmm. it's, when it's being played in their presence, so... Yeah, they well, you know, they don't like fun stuff, no. ISIS, no. They, and as a rule, they do not... Do not enjoy good stuff. No. Fun stuff. Anything that's, you know, a good time, mm-hmm. ISIS is against. That's so, right. So, uh, I'm just imagining John Cusack with a <laughs> boombox over his head shaking yep. uh, some Bollywood music. That's right. This is, he's got a, got a weapon of mass distraction. So, they, uh, they, there's just two examples of this. And one of them was that they started intercepting communications over the radio between ISIS sex <laughs> And so, just to screw with them, they start like you know intercepted their communication and started playing Bollywood music just between the two. I can just imagine. No, I can just imagine two people trying to communicate and then like, you know, but I just got what and then the. Uh, then the other one was that they drove two cars, two empty cars, to some area, uh, and they left speakers on top of them, and they remotely activated Bollywood music from That's right. far away, just over and over again. Clear! <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, I'm, it's good to see that we are going through all avenues that we can to irritate and annoy um, ISIS. So it's interesting. They, they have a, a quote from... Um they quoted the, the British tabloid, The Sun, <laughs> take it for a grain of salt because it's a British tabloid, but uh, they quoted a senior source saying that uh, we need to unnerve militants and at the same time use some sort of passive measure to gauge their force strength in the area we were working in. It went well. So it was twofold. They wanted to piss them off. They also kind of wanted to use it to see, you know, like to kind of wake them up a little bit and kind of make them come out of their hiding and kind of gauge what the, what the strength of the force was in the area. So it's pretty smart. Nobody Cause, dies because all of the ISIS people had to come out and start dancing. <laughs> That's right, in a big group. As soon as the music, started it's like playing. a group. Dance. Yeah, it's smart move. Yeah. So we'll it's like see the Bollywood electric slide. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how ISIS counters this with this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, anyway, interesting little story. Thanks, Razorback, for posting that. Um, next up, we got. Uh, Post by our good friend Zombie Cat Bacon, who always has something that is podcast worthy, mm. in, you know, going on. He's yep. always posting stuff. It's great. 
Uh, and this is called The Unknown Hero Who Saved Monty Python's Flying Circus from Being Erased. Um, <clears throat> this is a little story about the early days of Monty Python. Uh, this is before they caught on in America, and they had been through a couple of seasons at the BBC. Um, the interesting thing is, back in the day, when people, when they were doing television shows, particularly live television shows, uh, VHS ch- uh, tapes weren't cheap. They were, you know, it's it kind of like the early days of some technology where... Right now, you think of a VHS tape as being like a buck a piece or something. Well, back in the day, they were probably hundreds of dollars for each yeah. tape. So as a cost-saving measure, a lot of networks that were dealing with live television would record them on a tape. Uh, and then if they they'd get to a certain point and then reuse the tapes. Um, so the point is that uh, one of the guys in Monty Python um, got a call at some point. Uh, after they'd done a couple years of the show, and then they, he got tipped off by somebody at the BBC that they were getting ready to erase their first two seasons of the Monty Python show. Um, Jeez. And uh, so, so he they, they found out about this, and they basically ran over to the studio and smuggled out the actual original copies and made VHS copies of you know their own like home VHS copies of these these tapes to make sure that they were somehow preserved before they got wiped. Um, and so Terry Jones got the call, mm-hmm. copied the, uh, copied the tapes. Uh, and then he was quoted in, uh, saying in Mike Sachs book, poking a dead frog conversations with today's top comedy writers. He said, if they'd been wiped, I don't think that we'd be talking right now. Actually, Python wouldn't have been discovered in America and we might not have made many a series for TV mm-hmm. and we may not have created any movies. It goes to show how tenuous history is. It can go in any direction. That's a good point. So it's kind of a little interesting tale about, you know, the, the little decisions that get made. Because uh, what ended up happening was, I guess, when they got, uh, when Monty Python was put on PBS in America, yeah. was when it really kind of took off and got really successful. And then that spurred the movies on and all that stuff. And fortunately, because they had copies of the stuff they were able to get those over to PBS and they could use those. Uh, they mentioned that a lot of the stuff like Doctor Who and stuff like mm-hmm. that, um, they had to go to archives of other networks in other countries where they had sold 16 millimeter versions of the originals <laughs> for rebroadcast, but the BBC didn't even keep them themselves. So they had yeah. to license them back from these other countries to be able to have the old archives and stuff. So, it's so um, weird. A pretty crazy thing. You'd think if you were producing this material that you'd want to keep copies of all this stuff. But they were saying that there were a couple different things that back in the, that time, they didn't. They, they thought, you know, uh, if we're doing a live broadcast of something, then we will just, if we want to do it over again, we'll have the people come back and we'll have it recorded again. And there was also a guild of actors and they were saying, well, you can't rebroadcast something once you paid these people for it. Like, you, you have to pay them again. You can't, yeah. you can't do that. Mm-hmm. So there's all this stuff that kind of led them to this decision. Well, we'll just wipe the tapes and, and you know, you reuse them. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Uh, kind of an interesting thing that you wouldn't, would be unthinkable now. I mean, they, they sell everything in the secondary market now. Every TV show, every, you know. But it's interesting because back in the day, there was stuff like I was a really big fan of the show called Mister Show, mm-hmm. and at the time, you couldn't buy the, you couldn't go to the store and rent VHS. And 
the DVD thing where you can get every TV show yeah. is like a recent phenomenon. And back in the day, that wasn't a guaranteed thing. Yeah. So I remember I had like HBO ran a Mr. Show marathon and I recorded <laughs> eight hours of Mr. Show or something on VHS cassettes. And I had them for like ever. And I watched them <laughs> so much, you know. And so, but that was the only way that you could, you know, it was like the holy grail with these vhs tapes that i made this one time my friends were always asking to borrow them you know and i was, I was like hell no <laughs> no uh, you want to no. watch them you come to my house yeah exactly right uh so anyway <laughs> you got them like in a cryogenically sealed exactly. container yeah so anyway <laughs> that kind of reminds me uh a friend of mine <laughs> and like right around like 1999 or something 1998 yeah he got an ebay and he bought the entire vhs series of MacGyver <laughs> that this guy had bootlegged somehow. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> and he awesome. spent like all summer watching right. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Well, I, that's a good purchase right there. But, yeah, the, the whole the whole VHS and like copying things. Mm-hmm. And I kind of miss that. I, I do, too. Now you can get all this stuff all the time. And it's like, uh, you know, if time is not limited, yeah, yeah what's the value in it? You know, well, and you had to work really hard to get a copy of that, so you valued it more. Uh, yeah. You know, like, instead of, like, getting on Netflix and just yeah. watching. And I don't know how many friends I turned away, you know. <laughs> There's people that I don't talk to anymore because I was like, you know, you know, you can't have my Mr. Show. Wow. And get the hell out of my house. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I would do. That's for even asking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how dare you? Anyway. But, yeah. Um, well, I'm glad that Monty Python. I don't know very much about Monty Python. I don't, I don't, I haven't watched very much of it. Um I should probably get into it because there's a lot of references that people people are very obsessive about it. It's a it's a cult, you know, classic. I I think I uh, I never watched any of the the seasons. I watched I think I watched the movies. Yeah, when I was in high school. But I watched a couple of the movies I, again. I was like, eh, you know, it wasn't. Really I my think it's thing. one of those things where you gotta invest the time in it to yeah. get the vibe of it, yeah. and then get into you know the mood for it. And everything. Well, it's British humor, which is yeah. I mean, it's always a little different anyway. It makes yeah. more sense now that like. You know, British humor and English humor, well, American humor. Mm-hmm. Um, now that we have like Netflix and everything yeah. is available, you kind of right. understand it more now. But back then, yeah. when I was in high school or you know aware of this stuff, it wasn't. It didn't make any sense, but it was still funny. Yeah, I was part of a skit for a musical or some kind of performance where we did the the lumberjack song. Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah. is that with a chainsaw? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. <laughs> anyway. Okay, Glenn. Well, uh, <clears throat> moving on. Yeah, mo- uh, <clears throat> moving on. Uh, last but not least, our good buddy Razorback has made it not only once, but twice this week. This is a feel-good story. It really is, and it needs to be shared. Um, <clears throat> it's very simple. It's titled, Teen Sells Newspapers for Five Years, Earns Enough to Pay Off College Before He Even Starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this this is a story of a, a teenage boy in Tennessee. His name is Caventes King, and Caventes started selling newspapers from the age of twelve. Mm-hmm. And he, he got a, he got a, he got a route, a paper route, right? But unlike most people, most kids, mm-hmm. the age of twelve, he decided he was going to a paper route so that he could save up enough money to go to college before he was even in college, right? You know, like most hardworking people. They work while they're in college to pay for college. Right. This guy had the for the foresight to say, you know what? I'm 12, but I'm going to go to college, and here's how I'm going to pay for it. I'm going right. to do a paper route every day, and he did for five years until he was 17. And by my calculations, he made forty eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars. He socked it all away. Yeah. And now he has enough money to go to college. Mm-hmm. 
And when interviewed about it um, by the local uh, news station, he said, I just try to stay away from the negativity and try to always be positive. And he says that basically that um, he got the idea from his mom, who was a single parent, and that she was very independent. And she wanted him to be independent as well. So he decided, you know, I'm going to go for this. I want right. to be, I want to, I want to have an education. And so, anyway, he just didn't want to. He didn't want to have any loans when he went to school. He, he just wanted to do it all himself. It's a, yeah, it's a great story. Uh, and there's always people out there that are complaining about the huge student loan debts that they're they're sacked with after they get out of school. This 12 year old figured out that. He could pay for his own college by working hard for five years. Uh, so it's a pretty impressive guy. And this kid's going places. Yeah, he is. This is... I, I love the quote that he... He ends the quote. Listen to how wise this sounds, okay? Uh, he said he had this single piece of advice to share regarding this whole story. Make sure you surround yourself with people that are trying to go up in life and not trying to bring you down. Just stay positive and always believe in yourself and push for it. He sounds like a man well beyond his yeah. years in terms of getting things in life figured out. This yeah. is this is the kind of advice you get like at your graduation from a yeah. speaker who's absolutely been successful and comes um, back to talk to kids. And the other great thing about this, and he's going to go to Tennessee State University. The other thing, great thing about this um, is that he's going to really appreciate every hour that he spends in class because yeah. he's going to think about. All the time he wait, he worked to save for that time in the classroom. Uh, you know, a lot of times if you get a loan, the money doesn't seem real to you. So you're showing up in class, but maybe you're not pay- paying attention and stuff like that because it's like, well, I just have all these loans and I'm going to pay them off when I'm done and all yeah, this stuff. Yeah, good job. But when you spend your entire adolescent life trying to pay for your college, you're really going to lock in on you know on what you want to do and, yeah. and make sure you're getting your money's worth. So. Uh, I think that's really cool. Um, so anyway, I mean, I <clears throat> I don't think I was frivolous or anything like that in college, but I I was so dumb with money. I just didn't appreciate it and didn't care about it. Yeah. Um, partially be just because of the trust fund that I have. Right. 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 <laughs> no. No. Uh, you know, I was just dumb and immature. And right. This kid. I mean, man, he's got it figured out. He's got it figured out, and he's seventeen, mm-hmm. and he's had it figured out. Pretty smart. Yeah. Um, so anyway, great little story. I'm, I'm, you know, I hate to see a kid have to work for his entire, I mean, you know, when you're in school, you want to be having fun and stuff like that. But at the same time, you know, he's going to, he's going to be successful. I mean, with an attitude like that, with that, that kind of stuff figured out, he's going to be a successful, uh, successful guy. So he can have all the fun he wants. He's already worked for it. Yeah, exactly. Well, now I can yeah have fun in college. He's going to have to pay for it. He's already paid for it. You're telling me you guys study? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's too bad. <laughs> Um, anyway, cool story. Thanks for posting that, Razorback. Um, we'll link up to that all, that, and all the other stories on podcast.gentleman.com if you want to check them out. Um, and now, Glenn, let's talk about the uh, toast this week. Mm. Time for the toast. Um, Glenn and I talked about a couple different people to toast, but look, it's an obvious one, but we got to do it because do um, it. unfortunately, Muhammad Ali has passed away. Cassius Clay has passed away. Uh, this past week and everybody's talking about it um, because obviously he's legendary larger than life boxer uh, you know person mm-hmm. uh, just 
a celebrity of, of all kinds of different extremes, and um, yeah, he he was he wasn't just a sports figure; he was no. a, a figure for a generation. Civil rights figure, civil rights, uh, religious figure, religious figure. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, everything he did basically either caused controversy or, you know, I mean, it, and not necessarily in a bad way. Like right. He pushed a lot of boundaries and he mm-hmm. challenged lots of things. Yeah. Um, I, I, he's probably kind of a polarizing figure back in the day, but I think looking <laughs> yeah. back or link, looking back now, I mean, everybody can really appreciate all the all the stuff that he did. Yeah, um, you know, and I, he's you know everybody knows about Muhammad Ali and everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but the one thing that I wanted to talk about, which is the first thing that I ever really, I'd always heard about Muhammad Ali, you know, and got knew of him growing up. You know who he is. You know what he did. You know his boxer. You know, all this stuff about him. But my favorite thing is I watched this movie about the Rumble in the Jungle. And it was a documentary about the whole thing that went down leading up to the Rumble in the Jungle. And um, I really got an appreciation for how cool that whole thing was. Yeah. So just if you if people out there aren't familiar with it, Rumble in the Jungle was a fight between George Foreman mm-hmm. and Muhammad Ali that took place in Africa. They... They set up this whole thing where they're going to have this fight in Africa, and there's all these logistical nightmares. All these things happen leading up to the fight that were, I mean, you know, they almost had to cancel it because yep. one of them got injured or something, like injured his hand. I think it was Foreman injured his hand or something. They had to delay it, and all this stuff happened as a media circus, and it was kind of a dangerous place to be, too, you know. And all, so there's just all these stories going on. But the main story was that Muhammad Ali wasn't champ anymore, and he was 32. He was slower and older, and George Foreman, I mean, we know him now as the Foreman grill guy, but <laughs> when you when you look at the video from back in the day, he was a scary dude, mm-hmm. and he was dead serious about mm-hmm. boxing. People were saying that he is the hardest-hitting boxer that has ever lived. He was a scary dude in the ring, man. And, um, you know, so anyway, the point is, no one gave Muhammad Ali any kind of a chance to win this fight. No one, not, a, like, Howard Cosell was... A big Muhammad Ali fan. I mean, they, they always, you know, had a good relationship, but he was basically, you know, even Howard Cosell was like, Muhammad Ali has it's no chance. Suicide. Suicide. Yeah. Get him out. Don't do it. Everybody was saying, Muhammad yep. Ali, don't take this fight. You're going to get your ass handed to you. Mm-hmm. Um, In Africa, no less. Yeah, exactly. And it was this big deal, and Muhammad Ali wouldn't have any of it. He was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to kick George Foreman's ass. And everybody's like, okay, Muhammad Ali, you know, yeah. like, well, of course you are. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and what happened was... Muhammad Ali knew that Foreman was such a tough hitter. He would hit so hard. Uh, and it was the most famous example of what became known later on as the old rope-a-dope. The rope-a-dope. Which Muhammad Ali figured out that Foreman hit so hard that if he could deflect the blows and keep him hit, just keep Foreman hitting as much as, much as he could, later in the rounds, Foreman would be exhausted. And that's exactly what happened. It's, you know... Muhammad Ali waited until later rounds, and then he was deflecting the hits the whole time, so he wasn't really getting square hits on him. Mm-hmm. And then gradually he kept kind of hitting him back, but not until late rounds, mm-hmm. because Muhammad Ali knew he could take the take the punishment until it counted. And um, Foreman, I read this quote from Foreman about this that I thought was hilarious, and it says, "Foreman, la- Foreman later said, I thought Ali was just one more knockout victim until the seventh round.'" I hit him hard in the jaw, and he held me, and he whispered in my ear, Is that all you got, George? (laughs) (laughs) I realized that this ain't what I thought it was. 
Nice. So anyway, I, I thought that was a really great uh, great story. And that was the first time I that, watched that movie. And I can't remember what it's called. It might be called The Rumble in the Jungle. I don't think it is. I, there's a documentary that came out about eight years ago that uh, just talks about the fight, the lead up to it, and what happened during the fight, and everything around it. And it was really... Uh, a good documentary and it gives you a really good interesting insight into the kind of the psyche of of Muhammad Ali so he he was quite a polarizing guy and interestingly enough I didn't know this so we were in Louisville he's from Louisville he grew up there Mm -hmm. born there and on we were driving around the town and on the side of one of the buildings was just this huge picture of him um and it said you know this is this is Ali's town or something like that Uh it was interesting and so I was like oh I didn't know he's from here that's cool yeah and we left actually the day, the uh, the day before he passed, mm. and uh, so it was kind of weird. You know, leaving the town and showing up in the next town. Yeah, and, and he passed. Out that way. Mm. Yeah, he man, what a what a polarizing guy. I, I love we, my friends and I. We would always talk about pulling the rope a dope on somebody. Like, yeah, you play basketball on the court. And like, oh, I'm not winning. Oh, <laughs> got him right where I want him. <laughs> you know, pulling the rope a dope. Yeah. Um, no, it's a little bit different when you have like a 250 pound man. Yeah, George Foreman like, hitting you as far as again. <laughs> when you watch that documentary, Foreman is a he. He looks pretty tough, man. His fists are like like hams. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. oh, and he meant business, man, too. <sighs> I mean, like, and it's it's crazy because Muhammad Ali was trying to antagonize him the whole time, saying stuff to him, he's making him the mad. Bear. Yeah, he was. <laughs> I mean, he knew exactly what he was doing, but at the same time, I mean, it's like, wow, you know, he's going to murder you when, when you get in the ring. Oh. And uh, so anyway, uh, it's a great story, uh, you know, and Muhammad Ali's legendary figure, of course. Um, so anyway, we would be remiss not to have him as the yeah, toast. Absolutely. So um, anyway. But yeah, later in life was quite a, uh, he, he did a lot of philanthropic stuff, mm-hmm. did a lot of, uh, uh, he, you know, despite troops and despite the Parkinson's and everything like that, yeah. he still was in the limelight, still trying yep. to do what he could. And, um, yeah, ch- charities and causes and things like that. So to the very end, he was humanitarian. Yeah. Doing his thing, which is cool. Yeah. But, uh, anyway. Okay. So, uh, a toast to Muhammad Ali. To Muhammad. Ooh. <laughs> okay, Glenn. Well, that means it's time for the, um, Um, and this week, Glenn, I was I found this article, uh, which is pretty interesting. And uh, turns out there's a double standard at Buffalo Wild Wings these days. <laughs> Everybody goes to Buffalo Wild Wings for the sports, the food, mm-hmm. the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a little thing out there called esports. It's not so little, Brian. And uh, they don't give equal. E doesn't stand for equal sports <laughs> at Buffalo Wild Wings. Uh, I found this article on Motherboard, and it says Buffalo Wild Wings is the battleground for the acceptance of esports. And a lot of people out there are probably like, what are esports? I've never heard of this. Esports are video games. Watching people play video games competitively. Yep. So if you're sitting down and watching people play Counter-Strike, mm-hmm. which is what this article is about, that's competitive video gaming, and it is now televised on the internet on Twitch. He's a yeah. very famous. I don't know. Somebody bought Twitch. Was it Microsoft bought Twitch? Microsoft bought Twitch Microsoft yeah. for like two hundred billion dollars or something. I think it was just two billion. But okay. still, so, um, I stand corrected. Um, <laughs> Maybe it was less. Anyway, Twitch and TBS, the TBS. Turner Broadcast Broadcast System Company. 
<laughs> TBS. Everybody knows what TBS is. Tuberculosis. Tuberculosis Broadcasting System. Company. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, point is, so Buffalo Wild Wings was sponsoring this Counter-Strike tournament, which is a thing. And uh, some there was a whole thing on Reddit about how a bunch of people that were wanting to watch their esports went to Buffalo Wild Wings, and they were not met with favorable uh, responses from the barflies that were there to watch their mm-hmm. sports, mm-hmm. or the managers who were confused about what esports exactly were. What is this esports yeah. you speak of? So anyway, it's an interesting story, um, and I, you know, I, I'm confused by this esports. I don't get it. On one level, it what's the difference between esports and watching NFL? You know? see, see now, Brian's poking the bear. Uh, are you are you asking me this, Brian, or is this rhetorical? I know I'm asking. I'm asking. I'm being serious. Like, what's it like? <sighs> you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't understand why people go and watch college basketball. Don't understand mm-hmm. why people go watch college football. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's way over my pay grade, Brian. Yeah, um, but I I will tell you this. Uh, I. I don't. I don't understand. I don't understand this at all. I can't. I don't. I. I mean, I understand it. Okay. There's two things I don't understand. One, why? Why did Buffalo Wild Wings not tell their managers anywhere that they're sponsoring this thing and that they should, they might want to have it on their TVs? Because you know, like oh, Wild Wings uh, sponsors March Madness, mm-hmm. and that's their whole thing. Like, oh, you know, yeah. Mom's leaving for two weeks. Yep. You know, she's staying at the at the bar. Well, they they, they talk to corporate. Buffalo Wild Wings. And I think that at the same time this was going on, there was also other sporting events that were quote-unquote more popular that were going on at the sure. same time. And it was like a Saturday night or something. So mm-hmm. there's all these other sports events going on. Uh, and so they said that they, they do actually send emails out to let managers know about what specific sporting events are going on so they can expect kind of a surge in, mm-hmm. and people and having to accommodate different groups of people if there are multiple sporting yeah. events going on. Yeah. Like maybe a baseball game and the NBA playoffs are going on at the same time. Right. So you're going to have two different factions of people. No one sent them a memo about the eSports Counter-Strike tournament <laughs> that was supposed to be going on. Which is, by the way, is a huge deal. Like in terms of people who aren't you and I. Right. Um, the, yeah. the, in general, I mean, in general, the general public, this is actually a big thing. Yeah, it is. It's yeah, it huge. Is. Uh, uh, it's hard to believe. I, I. It's hard for me to believe, but... So they, the, in this article, they say there's a thing called Data Z's, which is an international competition for Counter-Strike, I believe. And they sell out the key arena in Seattle, which seats 10,000 people. And that was what was being televised, was this this uh, Data data 2's, not Data Z's, Data 2's. <laughs> I saw Z there, too. It's not, yeah, it's not all on yet. Yeah. Dota, Dota 2's. <laughs> which Brian and I <laughs> attended, of course. Oh, it's all the loop mirror. Data 2's, no. Dota. Dota, Dota, Dota 2's. Dota 2's. So anyway, I was thinking about this, Glenn, and I, you know... I was trying to. I was like, "What makes this different from the sporting events that I watch?" Because a lot of people would say, "Like watching sports is stupid anyway. Like, what's the difference between watching people play video games and you know whatever?" And my 
my thought originally, and then I kind of reversed this. My thought originally was like, well, I watch sporting events where there are athletes that can do stuff that I can't do. Yep. If I could go out in the backyard and do the same kind of, if I could do a 360 dunk on a 10 foot hoop. Yeah. Um, you know, then I wouldn't be as impressed with watching, you know, my team do all this stuff. Yeah. But then I started thinking, these guys are playing video games. They're probably doing stuff. If they're in a national tournament and they're winning, and there's probably a huge purse at this tournament, they're probably the best players in the world yeah. at this game. So they're probably doing stuff that the people at home can't do in, this, in a similar way. So um, I wonder if they stretch. I wonder <laughs> if they stretch before they play. I don't know. And... uh this is actually interesting because I actually just read this article about Baker Mayfield, who is the Oklahoma starting quarterback. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he actually is very good. I don't remember which game it is, but he's very good. It might be Counter-Strike. I can't remember. But he was at one point deciding between going to college to, to, to play football or becoming a professional gamer. That is and he's mind-blowing. Still, he's still, he still plays games all the time. Wow. When he's not studying, when he's not doing football, he's playing video games. Wow. Uh, and people say he's legit. He's really good at it. Wow. Um, him and his friends win tournaments and stuff like that. So um, he was super into the competitive gaming thing. And it's, it's weird to think about, on one hand, this incredible uh, athlete who's the starting quarterback at Oklahoma University. Right. And also a competitive gamer who saw that as legit enough that he might not play college sports and instead going to professional gaming i've also read recently that i think it was uh who's the baylor quarterback that just went to the nfl um anyway he went on to the pros uh okay uh he got drafted i don't okay. think it was like high but he got drafted he's playing the but he got drafted by a professional football team and he said that he he played a lot of madden like tons of madden mm-hmm. and he said that he he believes that like prepared him to be a college football quarterback hmm just seen plays develop and you know all, all these different aspects of the game it's like immersing yourself in a game mm-hmm. um i can know, see that you know i could see that i've often wondered about that as an actual mind training kind of tool yeah. as being able to visualize the stuff and seeing it over and over again mm-hmm. if you can sit there and look at all the stuff and prepare yourself mentally for it's similar to the stuff you're going to see at the end of the day you know so uh interesting I don't know. So, uh, but anyway, competitive gaming is becoming is like becoming a pretty important thing. Maybe in 10, 15 years, that's going to outpace college basketball, college football, NFL. Maybe the most important thing will be uh, competitive gaming. I'm going to be at Henry T's, you know, the old guy, like <laughs> sitting hey, at the bar. Hey, where's my Royals? Yeah. <laughs> you got like, uh, sorry, sir, the Counter-Strike tournament uh, is going Dota on right now. Dota 2 is on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they actually said that it gets this the the TBS thing of this gets better ratings than the esports tournaments can get more viewers than the World Series or the NBA Finals. I, I don't know. I don't know. What to, I don't. Know, I, this number's got to be wrong. I think that that's based on Twitch <laughs> numbers yeah. and simultaneously television numbers. Oh, you know, I, I I think I recall it being reported on ESPN. Yeah, and uh, no, I, no, I didn't. Well, ESPN has a whole ES, esports kind of thing. Yeah, I know, but I mean, like, if you go to ESPN.com mm-hmm. during the NBA Finals, yeah, all they talk about are NBA Finals. 
Well, ESPN, they don't talk about Dota two. ESPN's having some financial problems. Maybe they're looking in the wrong direction. <laughs> uh, I will they say, started. Yeah, they started programming for. We talked about this on a previous podcast. I will say that when I was my team was this close to getting into the NIT. <laughs> They had the NCAA selection show for basketball, and then they had the NIT selection show. And I tuned in to the NIT selection show, but before the NIT selection show, there was a Counter-Strike tournament, Final Four. They were doing their selection Sunday for for college, uh, college gaming teams doing some tournament it was basically like the ncaa tournament for video games and that was that was ahead of the bill before the nit selection show saving the best for the last uh and so i sat there and i listened to them talk about cal state bakerfield and how their their you know dota 2 team was going they last year they were close this mm-hmm. year they thought they turned the corner they were looking like an elite eight maybe a final four if you look at the headshots kind of per game yeah uh, yeah exactly you know so it's coming. It's it's like I. It's hard to believe, but it's it's going that direction. I played Counter Strike in college. Mm-hmm. I had a blast playing it with my my roommates and my sweet mates. We'd all get on the same land. Back this is, you know, fifteen years ago. Yeah, fifteen years ago. Gosh. Anyway, almost fifteen years ago, and uh, we had a blast. But I cannot imagine wanting to sit and watch. That's hard for me too. I, somebody, I've never been. I've never been a hardcore gamer, but I have, you know, like uh, we were talking earlier that back when I was in college, we there was a game called Battlefield, and we, we it was so fun. We would get our teams together and go play yeah, Battlefield, yeah, yeah. and I would spend hours doing that, yeah, and I enjoyed it, yeah. But I can't imagine watching somebody else play Battlefield <laughs> and enjoying it. No, like even if it was the Kansas State University Battlefield team. I couldn't sit there and watch it. Let's go, cats. Yeah. I mean, I don't think. I don't know. Let's Maybe be, Let's be you know Bakerfield. What? Maybe you and I should sit down and watch some Twitch and figure out if we're into this whole thing. Twitch right? is a good description of, of that experience. Well, that's what I'll be I, doing. There's got to be something to it. If it's getting higher ratings than the NBA playoffs. I mean, I guess. I don't know. Than the World Series. Your coveted Royals. Coveted? Glenn, it, it's more important than the Royals, this stuff is. So... I don't know. Mm-hmm. By ratings, and I mean that's the the people have spoken. Uh, the the the, uh, the Counter Strike tournament is more important than the Royals winning the World Series. I would like to know what the purse is for winning this tournament. How much is the purse for winning the World Series? Well, it's not that, but I'm saying like salaries for baseball players probably not on par with salaries for professional gamers. Probably not. Yeah, but I I. I, I is that all you neither, got? Not, neither here. Is that all you there. got? I got more. Uh, <laughs> People care more about so you have, the this tournament, the Counter Strike tournament. The Royals winning the Royals. Some fudged numbers. Mm. You know what? I can make those numbers too. Uh, I don't know. I'm only saying is this: if Buffalo Wild Wings doesn't even know, they are the temperature. Buffalo Wild Wings screws a lot of stuff up. Yeah, they do. And uh, this is one of them. They're they're messing this up. They should make an esports friendly oh environment. Oh I'm, I'm serious, man. Because here's the thing: this is a how, how great would it be to have an environment that was friendly for esports people to go check out their tournaments and everything, 
And then you have people there that are like, what the hell is this? You know? And the Buffalo Wild Wings people are like, this is This important. is a thing. This is important. <laughs> this is esports. Yeah. Deal with it. You know what I mean? It's a whole thing that they could really capitalize on and be it'd be great for their for their brand. You know what I mean? Business-wise, it would be great because it's yeah. a whole other demographic of people that they're yeah. not reaching. And how cool would it be for those people to sit there and watch their esports and like be totally into it down yep. at their Buffalo Wild Wings, which yep. is like the esports headquarters yep. for their stuff. But, but Buffalo Wild Wings isn't smart enough to get that done. No. Um, just based on this stuff, they're like send out emails once in a while when there's important stuff going on. Half of the managers at these at the Buffalo Wild Wings didn't even know what this was. It's a kind of a no brainer if you're going to be sponsoring something like an esports tournament and you might have some people coming out to your Buffalo Wild Wings to watch it. Mm-hmm. You send an email and you say, "Hey, this is what esports are." And when <laughs> people show up at your bar and they ask you about it, here's what you do: you put yeah. it on and you tell everybody else to shut the <laughs> up. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I still don't... I don't know. It's because you're an old curmudgeon, Glenn. I am. Unlike me. I'm, I'm My arms are wide open. Give me I'm, my actual physical sports I, any day. Well, maybe football might not be around anymore after uh, a few years. Just Madden. Just Madden. <laughs> Madden tournament. The uh, uh, KU Madden team. Uh, that is when I... That's like... Oh, man. I give up on sports at that point. Yeah. Or at least watching it in a live setting. Um, well, anyway, okay. Well, uh, Glenn is anti esports. I am pro esports. So, you know, my arms are wide open. I- I'm into it. You I'm, are, huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm Who's totally... your team, Brian? <laughs> who's your, uh, who's I don't know. your dog in the I'm fight? Gonna, I'm going to research this. <laughs> I'm going to find the team that I'm going to back. And then I'm going to be 100%. Next time you see me, I'm going to be wearing my Counter Strike okay. Dota 2 I shirt love, I lo- I with love my team on it. And yeah, that's right. what's gonna happen. I just pulled up Twitch TV. They have commentators. Yeah, yeah, they do. He'll be fine. <laughs> Man, we need to. We should look into being commentators for. Installed up most of the time, you would see uh, a very early tranquil boots already being picked up by the Beastmaster, but his uh, jungle has been slowed down. He's actually low enough that Misery could go over and uh, put some more pressure on him. But for now, looks like he wants to try. This is Dota 2. While the uh, vengeful spirit is away, Juan actually bringing a smoke out to middle lane. Looks like they're gonna try and uh, maybe do something with that wrap around on mid, perhaps, and gank up the invoker. Gank up the invoker. <laughs> well, we laugh about this, but this is this oh, yeah. is where it's at, man. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Here's Counter Strike. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah, we're wasting time here. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, Glenn. Well, so Glenn is anti esports and fun, and I am pro fun and esports. That's yep. how we left. That's it. pretty much it. Okay. Uh, well, we got that settled, Glenn. And mm-hmm. speaking of uh, esports, uh, mm-hmm. it's time for the question for the gentleman mailbag. Yes. And. Uh, Based on that, I have I I was curious, Glenn. Uh, so we talked about all the esports stuff, and it's 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 finally coming into its own. Mm-hmm. It's getting airtime on national mm-hmm. television as well as the internet. What is one sport you wish would get a little bit more airtime, mm-hmm. and one sport you wish was on television, less publicity, mm-hmm. less in your face? One sport you could get rid of that you see all the time. 
If I could get rid of one sport, if you could call it a sport, it'd be esports. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, one sport I really don't like watching is golf. I just can't do it. Skip. I'm point. not any good at golf. It's so slow. I every now and again, I'm, I it can kind of get interesting. Like at the Masters or something, but like when a random tournament is on, man, just poke my eyes out. There, there are some people that that watch golf. Oh yeah, on television, and I don't quite get it either. I, I don't. I guess it goes back to kind of that esports thing where it's like maybe they're doing stuff that you can't really do, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of weird. It's I, true. Golf I, on television is a little weird. Yeah, and I think it's because I just don't play it. I think if I played yeah. it, I would understand once. I played enough where I, it should be interesting to me, but I've just <laughs> never been, yeah, you know, able to get into it. Yep, that guy can hit the ball really far. Yeah, and that's about all I. That was a pretty know. accurate shot. Yeah, well done. Now he's <laughs> in the water. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, right. Um, and then in terms of sports, see, I'm on a, I'm on a. It's been so long since I've actually like used television to are uh, used uh cable television like thing yeah to watch sports I've, right. i'm a i'm a cord cutter here right and uh yeah that's right brian <laughs> don't look at me funny i i cut the cord i was watching television from stations in manila uh, yeah really manila and krakow yeah um so i get anyway but my point is is that you can kind of if you really want to, you can find just about anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's been a long time. So yeah. I'm basically looking for something to watch as opposed to, oh, it's on TV. Yeah, right. Um, but I think... Um, uh, I, I, uh, you know what? Okay. I'm gonna go, this is... This is uh, I'm going to totally contradict myself from okay. the uh, hot button oh, okay. topic here. But oh. um, for whatever reason it is, I really enjoy World Series of Poker. Oh, I like okay. watching poker. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Interesting. I, I don't play it that often. It's it really blew up in popularity. I mean, when, yeah, when I was in college, yeah. it, it really just took off. Mm-hmm. And I used to play poker a ton right. with my friends. And I think I think with that, it's it it seems very attainable for people. Yeah, you know, so they yeah. feel like they can almost like see themselves, you know, yeah, you know, getting into it. So <gasps> no, oh, okay. Well, let me throw another one in the ring. I just thought of this: 2016 Brazil. I love the Olympics. Oh okay, and I and I wish they were on more often, but it's only yeah. once every four years for the yeah. summers and winters. So, mm-hmm. anyway. well, and then the co- the coverage is always kind of yeah. Know, so, so you don't know what you're going to watch or anything. But I love yeah. track. I love watching it. So that's a good one. All right, what about you, Brian? Um, okay, for the sport that I wish was on less, uh, MMA fighting. Yeah, in general. Yeah, uh, I'm. I know I might be going against the grain with a lot of people on this because there are a lot of MMA fans out there. Yeah. Obviously, because it's a huge sport and everything like that. Getting bigger every day. But I just cannot watch people. And I, I'm a big football fan, you know. So it's a mm-hmm. little bit contradictory. But mm-hmm. I cannot watch people beating the crap out of each other <laughs> to the point where I mean, people die. Yeah. From injuries sustained during MMA matches, yeah. and uh, I just I can't do that. It's just too. Hardcore for me, and I, I, I don't have any friends that are super into MMA, but I've seen people that have all the MMA clothes. Mm-hmm. They watch, they go to Vegas to watch all the fights. It's crazy. They've got you know their entire outfits like MMA approved gear and all this stuff. I mean, they're so into it. And at the end of the day, you're watching two people just basically hurt each other as much as they possibly can. You know? Yeah. So I, I, I wish that wasn't. 
at, you know, I wish it was a little bit more uh, <clears throat> of a sport than what it is. You know what I mean? Uh, well, and and also like they'll just have it on anywhere. Like I was at a restaurant with my family, mm-hmm. you know, two small daughters. Yeah, and two women beating the crap out of each other right. on TV, like lunch on a Sunday. Right? How do you like, explain that to your four year old? I don't know. You know. I mean, fortunately, yeah. they weren't really paying attention. They didn't yeah. see it, but, but still, yeah, yeah, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that's the one I kind of like. Yeah, I'm not. I wish that wasn't such a big deal. Yeah. You know, because then I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it's good for the. The, the people that participate in it and everything like that but everything I've read about the MMA industry is just it seems like really exploitative and mm-hmm. I don't know it just gives me a, a weird vibe about the whole thing mm-hmm. the sport that I wish that I had more airtime mm-hmm. and Glenn has a theory about I have a theory what I would choose but I think I don't think he knows what okay. I'm going to actually say here uh, when I was over in Ireland oh there was a little thing on television that I noticed that was professional dart playing. Really? And uh, <laughs> this was very entertaining because it was like a potbelly guy drinking a beer, literally, <laughs> and there was a crowd behind him, and he'd throw a dart, and it would be like, oh, what? <laughs> like, you know, people going crazy <laughs> over a dart. Like a dart match, you know, yeah. and then like they'd be like psyching each other out. They walk up and like look at the other guy and be like, you know, I just you know, <laughs> it was just, but it was pretty. I actually started watching it and it was pretty entertaining, you know. Uh, I couldn't believe that competitive darts was on the national <laughs> television. I mean, it was like the thing on at the sports bar. It was like the oh, this is the yeah, it's a the competitive darts tournament. So wow. Was like, so um, I, I wish in the U.S. we could see some more competitive darts because I think that that could be a pretty important thing. One of the local uh, bars that we enjoy has a dart tournament all the time. Yeah. They have it very frequently. Right. So mm-hmm. Maybe you could just catch a live thing. Could be, yeah. Um, but you like the idea of just sitting at home and watching some I could wa- I could crazy, sit down for an hour and watch some, some... I could watch some competitive Irish dart playing. <laughs> uh, the Irish factor really helps. Well, I mean, I, I'd watch American or whatever, but this was more interesting because there was a huge. It was almost like Kingpin or something like that, you know, where they have it's like bowling, <laughs> but they have a huge studio audience and yeah. they're like whooping it up and going crazy. Yeah. That's how it was. It was like, but it was real. <laughs> These people were going absolutely nuts for you know somebody throw a dart and they would just like jump out of their seats, going crazy. Like you'd show the family in the crowd like shaking each other and. <laughs> You know, like hugging each other and going, you know, just yelling. It was great. I mean, I don't he's know. doing grand. Yeah. He's doing so grand. It was fantastic. So anyway, that's that, what I would go for. That's awesome. Um, so that that would be my choice. Wow, I didn't see. I thought for sure when you said when I was in, I thought you say Australia, and you're gonna say Aussie rules football. I like Aussie rules. Aussie rules football. Um, it's you know. It's not on enough. It's hard for me to catch it in the U.S., but, you know. I need to show you some uh, some uh, sources. Yeah. To help I, you find your... You can... Uh, Aussie Rules Football, you can pay, like, 20 bucks a month. Huh. And you can, like, legit stream it. Mm-hmm. The problem with Aussie Rules Football is because of the time difference, most of the games take a place at, like, 4.30 in the morning here. <laughs> so, it's... I mean, some of them are at 6 in the morning, some of them are at 4.30 in the morning, and then some of them are, like, super late at night, so, like, 1 o'clock. Uh, so it's very hard to. I mean, you're you're kind of in a weird situation because it's like, and I I think I want to say, you know, it's like a Monday morning at four in the morning is when a lot of the matches go on or something. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's not like you can 
Like right before, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna wake up at three thirty in the morning and watch my Aussie Rules football team, and then go to work or whatever, you know. So anyway, so anyway, that's that. Uh, so yeah, we've got that figured out. So Glenn's anti esports. He's anti international dart competitions. Well, I would like to watch that. <sighs> he's anti fun. He's anti Bollywood. Um, <laughs> he's pro ISIS. And, wow. Uh, <laughs> Wow. He also didn't eat at Kentucky Fried Chicken when he was in Louisville. This is what started it, isn't it? Like, uh, you have one minor oversight. You know those lists of communists they had back in the 50s? Oh, yeah, like the... Uh, the the, uh, the blacklist. Uh, well, what were they called? Um, yes, I know what you're talking about. Look, I'm not saying anything. But Glenn? Mr. McCarthy, what are you trying to say here? <laughs> Glenn might find himself on some kind of a list like that, if it existed today. <laughs> Known anti chickenites. That's right. Um, so anyway, all right. Well, Glenn, that was episode nine zero ninety. Mm. Ninety episode ninety. I'm starting to feel my age. Getting up Our there. Age. Geriatric. <laughs> you have to put us in the podcast home soon. Wow. The home. Put for, us out to pasture. Yeah. Take us to the glue factory. <laughs> episode ninety. I think I think we rode there at about episode two. Yeah. But look at us still still hanging on keep ticking just keep us hanging on uh well uh thanks everybody for listening to episode 90 we're looking forward to episode 91 which will take place in two weeks um i am brian mckinney i'm glenn stansbury see you guys in two weeks thanks for listening sayonara